Welcome to episode three of Conversations with Cody. Conversations with jazz musicians from around the world. A musician to musician conversation. Today I'm very excited to have a very unique guest, the leader of the Afro-Latin Jazz Orchestra, Grammy winner, educator, composer, and arranger, Arturo O'Farrell. Arturo happens to have a brand new album out, which is called Four Questions, features Dr. Cornell West on one of the compositions. This is a very politically charged album, which has just come out in late April. I'm very excited to have Arturo here. He does so much more than music. He also runs one of the largest youth programs that you're ever going to find in the world out of New York and is just a strong voice for positivity on the scene in music and socially and has spoke at a number of events beyond music. And we happen to have him here with me this evening. Thank you so much for joining me, Arturo. What a pleasure. What a pleasure to join you on your show. It really is. Well, the pleasure is all mine. Now, my very first exposure to you was back in 2019 in New York at Jazz Congress at the Lincoln Center. And you were speaking on a panel with Vijay Iyer and Renee Marie during, I think, the height of the U.S. government shutdown entitled Jazz in Troubled Times. I remember. Yeah. Now, at that point, you were very impassioned in regards to how bad things were in the U.S. and what was going on, and it really left a lasting impression with me. Now, considering the direction things have gone in the past while, could you ever even imagine the scenario the U.S. is in right now? I want to avoid... Uh, there's no way I can, but I want to avoid politics. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. Uh... I, no, no. I'm being facetious. But in the years leading up to the election of this current administration, I was uh, prone to saying that this would lead to uh, riots in the streets and people getting killed. And most everyone I know uh, looked at me with uh, mild tolerance and, uh, and said, yes, of course, it's, it's going to be bad. But there is no... No way I could have imagined uh, just what what a disaster this administration has been for every single American, even for his supporters. This is the darkest. Uh, I could not have imagined a darker period in American history in my wildest imaginations. I am as befuddled, I think, and expectant of this. This is where we were headed. This is where we've been headed. The United States has... Well, like a lot of nations, a history of trouble, but uh, we're in a particularly uh, self, uh, this is a particularly harsh moment for us. Now, this new album you have out called Four Questions, it came out in April, and it's very politically charged and I think speaks very much to what's going on in the world right now. The thing is, though, it was recorded four years ago, features Dr. Cornell West, who's from Harvard, who is one of the top voices we're seeing in the media talking about Black Lives Matter. Uh, the timing on this album, was this in response to what's going on right now, the release, or was this just in this case, fortuitous timing. I'll be honest with you. Uh, the timing of the release of this album had more to do with the willingness and viability of record companies and releasing uh, entities uh, more than anything because we would have loved to release it two, three years ago. I think it was fortuitous 
that it happened to be released during some of the most racially charged moments in American history. But uh, the recording, I don't even want to call it the recording industry anymore because it doesn't exist as we know it. The, uh, the, music, uh, the music releasing uh, industry has uh, radically, radically altered. Record companies don't really exist anymore. And jazz has been seen as increasingly less viable and commercial. And uh, so it's very difficult with, in the age of streaming and in the age of uh, Spotify uh, to release a physical record. Um, it's, uh, it's extraordinary. And Spotify and, of course, YouTube and uh, all the streaming platforms don't really pay musicians. They don't really recompense us at all. So it's very difficult to justify the expense. Imagine the expense of recording Cornell West and a full-size orchestra in a major, fully equipped, professional, state-of-the-art recording studio. That alone uh, was an extraordinary expenditure. But, uh, you know, we never did make music to make money. I never did. We never made music to get awards. We never did make music to make money. And so it's it's an extension of what I've seen my whole life. The thing that is interesting to me is it's a lot more difficult to deliver product in a way because there are people who still uh, spin discs and they're compact disc player. I was tickled pink. <laughs> I just leased an automobile and I was freaked out because there was a CD player in the glove compartment. <laughs> I was thrilled. I know people who are getting rid of their CD collections, you know? And I'm like, no, it's tragic because to be honest with you, the, the physical me medium has, as you know, a much higher frequency rate than the streaming medium. You know, at the, t at the top of that uh, food chain is the long playing LP made on acetate with a huge dynamic range. But, uh, you know, I'm thrilled that this record and the powerful voice of Cornel West is, is here with us now in this moment of, of terror and confusion. And um, I, hope, I hope that people find the four questions and the questions and the, the expository uh, work that Dr. West has done with these four questions. I hope they find them as relevant to and the just to clarify for our listeners when we talk about the four questions we're talking about the w.e.b du bois 1903 book the souls of black folk which have four questions what does integrity do in the face of adversity and oppression what does honesty do in the face of lies and deception what does decency do in the face of insult and how does virtue meet brute force so this brings up a question for me this is a very political album and it makes me think of the first time I saw you, which was on a panel with Vijay Iyer, who mentioned that he thought that when music in jazz is very political, it seems to have less success within jazz media and radio. And this is a very political album on your hands. It's a beautiful album. But what would be your measure of success for this album? I think that the marriage of medium with message is very important. Uh, it's really an aesthetic of mine that your art must have, must come from some place. It must come from some area of your soul that cares about more than your success or your fame. I've shot my career in the head many times. Trust me, this is not the first time. Um, and yet I somehow find a, an enlightened uh, group 
of people who are willing to listen. Oh, it's really bizarre because I have had a couple of reviews now. The reviewer actually called it a vanity for the uh, composer to have a political viewpoint. And I don't understand that position. I, in, in light of the reality of Charles Mingus, Fables of Faubus, Billie Holiday, Strange Fruit, Louis Armstrong, you know, uh, we have had a history of politically charged messaging from jazz. But I think in this day and age of uh, nationalism in the United States, and, and I would go so far as to say in a lot of jazz journalism, is an easy sell. And instead of looking long and hard at the issues that face our society and even our jazz world, we tend to kind of overlook the fact that part of the history of jazz is in, inseparable from it, really, is the revolutionary uh, role that it plays in transforming society. Jazz is not meant to be wallpaper music. It's not meant to be music to affirm your national identity or your socioeconomic status. It's music that you're supposed to listen to and think. And think about, uh, you know, the, 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 the hard reality of the people who, the, the forefathers and foremothers who suffered greatly to bring us this craft. And I, I, every time I play the piano, every time I sit down to write, I thank uh, my musical ancestors for fighting that battle before me. So in that context, do you feel your approach to your music with such a heavy political and social consciousness developed out of your circumstances, maybe with, for example, your family having moved through the world with ties to Cuba, Mexico, and New York, and just your upbringing, building up those sentiments for both political and social good? I, I love for sure. I mean, my, th there's a couple of things. My father was always... I mean, I think this is true for the O'Farrells. It's we're kind of outsiders, you know. We're kind of European, not black necessarily, not white necessarily. We're Latinos, but what kind of Latinos? I mean, there's a lot of different things. But my father, like me, was classically trained and a jazz musician with uh, Latin tendencies from proclivity. So there's a lot of there's a, a wide wide uh, uh, horizontal plane that we're cast on. And when I was a young artist, I used to really resent the fact that I wasn't subsumed into this or that niche uh, because I could certainly play. But as I get older, I, I realize, like my father, it's a really comfortable place to be. It's a wonderful place to be, to not be this pole winner or that uh, competition winner or that darling or that cover. And no, we're uneasy. We ask uneasy questions. And more than that, we demand that the, 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 the horizontal landscape of jazz really be all-encompassing. And so, yeah, my father, <laughs> my father would write 12-tone rows in his uh, works for Dizzy Gillespie. And he would uh, use uh, all – my father never did anything like halfway. If he got any kind of writing assignment – he didn't turn in a comfortable, easy piece. He insisted on challenging and progressing the art. And I think that's very much a part of who I am. But my father was very a apolitical, though. Really? And we would, we would get into these wonderful arguments where he would, uh, you know, he would look at me and go, okay, Fidel, I see your <laughs> point. You know, I take after my mother in that sense. I mean, my mother was 
very, very passionate about justice and very passionate about uh, seeing that uh, that we were able to speak our mind about the things that matter to us. Now, you primarily work in instrumental in jazz. You obviously on your new album, Four Questions, you have Corn- Dr. Cornell West as part of one of the compositions. For, for the most part, your music is instrumental. And I just wanted to ask, as uh, just to give you some context, I'm also a jazz musician in Canada. I play pops with the symphony and tour with a number of different jazz musicians. Cool. Amazing. But you are obviously somebody that is able to convey political sentiment through instrumental music. And I know I was watching last year some conversations online of people arguing that because it's instrumental music that jazz can't possibly be impactful politically. And so I'm curious for you what you feel, you know, the best way for you is to go about that and approach that and be effective in your art form. And well, I know it's a broad question, but I'm curious how you feel about that as far as what you do, bringing a political edge to what you are composing and performing no i think i understand it it's funny because i as you were asking it a uh, kind of a new formulation in my philosophy was born and that is that i don't i don't really believe that a person can say they're political or not political uh, uh you can't declare your art or your personhood as political uh, whatever your viewpoint is, whatever your lack of viewpoint is, whatever you do with your art, you are political by not standing up for something or by not speaking out against something. You're still being political. I don't believe my music is political. I believe my music is human. Um, and the, some of the themes that I work with are just things that I care about. There's a piece I wrote called uh, The Offense of the Drum. And it had to do with... Uh, particularly ruthless despot who was the mayor of New York City and who has since shamed himself on the national stage. His name is Rudolph Giuliani. And uh, he was the mayor that was installed to make life palatable for the newly minted wealth and uh, for the gentrification of vast swaths of New York. He did this in so many horrible manners. Uh, we all know about the uh, the arresting of squeegee men and the, the, the wholesale uh, warehousing of the mentally ill and the disappearing. New York became Disneyland, which is not good or bad. That's not my point. My point is that uh, I started to write a piece uh, and I wanted to kind of deal with the idea that this man also took away uh, the drums. The drum circles in the parks of New York were a huge part of my growing up. And for some reason, the gentrifying neighborhoods, a lot of the folks that were moving in did not care to hear uh, the African roots of, of their neighborhoods. And so this man empowered the police to come in and, 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 and arrest drummers and take away their instruments. And so I wrote a piece using no vocals, no... Uh, no words, and the piece clearly speaks about regimentation and uh, uh, and 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 uh, uh, very delineated textures that are harsh and strong, and then it goes into this wild section that is pure freedom. And so one could listen to that piece and think, wow, that's a strange piece. It's got two separate sides. Or we could see the pieces integrated as being a part of a statement. And um, you don't have to know about 1980s New York City 
to understand that the piece has two aesthetics. One is about complete control, and the other one is about just wild and, and, and wonderful splashes of freedom. Um, whether that speaks to someone's political leanings, I cannot say. I mean, I hope that the at least the message of freedom and the beauty of it and the beauty of expression as it compares to rigidity and control is 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 enough of a political message to cause someone to think about the society they live in. And as I said, I don't really think about it's funny, you made me realize something today. Thank you so much, man. I'm not really I don't really believe that you can separate yourself from your convictions. And so therefore I don't really go out of my way to be a political uh composer. So I have to be honest in saying that's probably the first time I've ever heard anyone express it quite like that. Uh, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. That was a very different take on thinking about being political in art. Um, now, you happen to also have on your album four questions, Dr. Cornell West, who's, I think, one of the more well-known and well-thought-of political and social thinkers in the world. How did this collaboration come together? I was, I've been a big fan of Cornell West for years. He used to make me laugh. He would say things that were, nobody else would say, but that everybody was thinking in his punditry. And, uh, and over the years, um, he became a fan. I would see him in the nightclubs I played in. And at first I thought it was Don King. <laughs> uh, and then finally, one day I went up to him and I said, uh, you're Dr. West. We spoke briefly. It was very pleasant. He was, so I'm a big fan, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I saw a speech he gave in Seattle, a town hall speech he gave over a book he had written called Black Prophetic Fire. He expounded on the four questions of W.B. Du Bois poses and souls of black folk. And it impacted me beyond. It was one of the most life-changing things I ever saw. And so I'm kind of an outspoken uh political person. I work with all kinds of organizations, Revolutionary Party, the Communist Party, Black Lives Matter. I mean, I have a long history of being a, a, a politically charged human being. And so I was invited to be on the host panel of a uh, dialogue on revolution and faith between Bob Avakey and Cornel West. And Bob is the, uh, the leader of the U U.S. Communist Party. Anyway, I watched uh, him speak for an hour, and he's a marvelous speaker. But then Cornell got up, and Cornell got up and spoke for like 25 minutes. And his speech was so electrifying, I literally saw colors swirling above his head. His speech was so musical that I literally heard the spirit of Albert Eiler and John Coltrane and Thelonious one. And I, I just, it came to me, I said, I have to write this man uh piece of music. I hope that's okay. So I, he left. I didn't get to talk to him, but I kept reaching out to him and could not get a response because he's very busy. So I was invited to speak at a rally against police brutality, strangely enough, uh, uh, several years later. And I saw uh, Dr. West during the rally and he invited me to go speak with him at a rally that night. So I, I went to this rally at, in the evening at the church, and I watched him speak again, and he he blew everybody away. I mean, people were crying, 
And I thought it was the single greatest uh, speech I've ever heard. The MC said, and now we'll have a word from Arturo O'Farrell. And I spoke. And I guess he approved of what I spoke about, which was my kids and Marley Graham and sort of police deaths. And, and uh, he came up to me and said, that was a strong speech. Please sit with me on the dais. And so we sat together and I pitched him this uh, beautiful concerto. And uh, he was gracious enough to allow me to write it for him. And so we, we got together and rehearsed once or twice, which was meaningless because he's just an improviser. And then uh, I was able to get the Apollo Theater to commission it. And uh, we were able to perform it and uh, record it. And it's literally one of the most galvanizing uh, points of my life. It centered me in a way that nothing else has ever centered me. Well, congratulations again. It's a beautiful album. Once again, I'm talking with Arturo O'Farrell, Grammy-winning composer, educator, performer, pianist, whose new album, Four Questions, came out in late April, featuring... Dr. Cornell West. Thank you so much for joining me today, Arturo. I'm so I'm so grateful for the opportunity uh, to speak about things that matter to me. I, I have no idea this is not in the position I I'm grateful to speak to your to your audience and to you. Please, thank you. Well, it's been my absolute pleasure, Arturo. And that wraps up this episode for this evening. Once again, you've been listening to Conversations with Cody Jazz Talk. If you want to find out more about this podcast or what I'm up to, you can go to CodyHutchinson.com. That's K-O-D-I. You stay safe and have a great rest of your day.